Welcome to Around the League. This is episode 22. We got a ton of basketball to cover today because the NBA is back. We're a couple weeks in, and boy, it's been nothing short of exciting. We got brand new storylines. Steph is on fire. KD is back like he never left. The Raptors are one in five. And Julius Randle is averaging more points than AD and Kawhi, more rebounds than Giannis, and more assists than Luka Doncic, courtesy of Bleacher Report. But before we dig in, let's connect with our boy. Tuan, what's up? First of all, first of all, that's a crazy stat that you just pulled up for Julius Randle. I know he's been killing it, but I didn't know he was playing that well. Um, I've been doing good, man. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to yourself and all of our listeners. Um, I had a nice little three-week break from work. So just, you know, been laying around, being lazy a little bit. Um, how have you been? How's everything with you? Great. I remember it was like Friday and I didn't even know what day it was. Yeah, same thing, same thing. Because like whenever it's Christmas holidays or New Year's, usually you got like obligations every single day, parties, functions, stuff like that. But because we're in lockdown, like there's been nothing else to do but chill. And honestly, I've been loving it. I feel pretty rejuvenated getting back to work. Yeah, same here. I didn't have a my like annual... Um, vacation that I usually do like two, three weeks somewhere in Asia or somewhere in Europe. So I had a bunch of days off uh, close to the end of the year. So feel really good body physically, mentally feel good. So ready to jump to the new year. Jump to the new year. And while we were on break, the NBA restarted. And it's such an interesting, it's the first time the NBA started around Christmas Day. I'm really liking the new restart. Um, it's going to be great in terms of ratings with now that they don't have to compete with the NFL as much. Yeah. And it's been a lot of excitement. There's been a lot of excitement to start the series off, or start the season off. Um, so why don't we just jump in and talk about teams in each conference that has either surprised us or disappointed us. And why don't we take it into the Western Conference? Why don't you share a team that surprised you? The team that I think has surprised me and I kind of, Felt this way about them going into the season, but just how well the Phoenix Suns have played. And obviously we know how good of a player, a winning player Chris Paul is and what he's done with um, Houston, what he's done with OKC, especially last year. And I didn't think they would click this quick, but, you know, I should have known better. Um, This guy, you know, everywhere he goes, he's been a winner. And now he's teaming up with Devin Booker, um, former number one pick, uh, Aiden, and you know he's playing really well. Their their bench guys are playing well. Um, coached by a really really good coach in Monty Williams, and I think they're slowly putting together. Uh, I honestly they I think they're five and two, and before the season I thought they'd probably be like a play in bubble team, but now I actually think they could be a top seven top six team. Um, not really having to worry about playing in that, that play-in game uh, at the end of the season. So um, that's my surprise team. I, um, you know, Devin Booker always been a really good scorer. I know he's been an underrated passer. So having him with Chris Paul and not having to handle the ball as much um, definitely takes uh, a bit of that pressure off of him. Now he's able to kind of play off the ball a little more, uh, kind of like that Steph role, like Stephen Curry role, where he can kind of come off curls, uh, kind of be that pick and pick a pop guy as well, leading the ball there. So, super interesting their team to watch. I think they're going to continue to play really well. Unfortunately for our Raptors, they, I think they play them tomorrow, <laughs> big game. But uh, yeah, they're they're my surprise team for the West uh, so far with ten percent of the the, the season uh, played out so far. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Devin Booker had a career high against the Raptors because <laughs> they've become that team now that uh, teams lick their chops when they see them. But we'll talk about that yeah. later. Uh, for our listeners, I have no idea who Tuan is choosing for these surprising or disappointing teams, nor does he know who I've chosen. But, you know, I chose the exact same team mm. as most impressive so far in the Western Conference. And it's a small sample size, but... I think what sealed the deal for me was actually the way they lost to the Clippers, uh, despite Paul George going off for 39 points. Uh, I think they only lost by like four or five. And just just the quality quality of teams they beat so far. Uh, They beat the Mavericks, they beat beat the Kings, they beat the Pelicans, Jazz, and Nuggets. So just the fact that they've hung in, they've hung in games that they've lost against really good teams, but also handedly beat teams that are 
pretty respectful right now in the Western Conference is is impressive to me. Uh, Chris Paul is the ultimate glue guy. He might not have championships, but there's no doubt that he wins regular season games and he brings teams together. And I think um, I wa- I always think like now that I'm wondering what Chris Paul would do on the Minnesota Timberwolves with a guy like Carl Anthony Towns. You know, you can plug him into any young team and just his presence and veteran leadership alone. Um, he can steer any ship is what I think about him now. Like he can, he's like Kyle Lowry in that sense. He can really steer any ship. And Monte Williams, like you mentioned, great coach and probably a runner up for coach of the year. Yeah. Just by the way things are currently going. So I had the Phoenix Suns as well. Yeah. That, honestly, they didn't give up that much for him either. He was an all-star last year. I think he was second team All-NBA. And I think they had to give up Kelly uh, Oubre in a first, something like that. I don't think they gave up too much for him. And I know he has a big contract, so that was probably, um, you know, some teams probably feared taking that much money um, into their salary cap. Uh, But like a team like the New York Knicks, a team that's, you know, up and coming, a team that has, you know, R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin, they probably would have really... benefited from him being around you know I, I think they have Alfred Payton as their their point guard right now but if they had someone like Chris Paul who's going to change the culture of that team change the way they play change the way they look at things and have guys like RJ Barrett who you know top two pick last year uh, come in and is able to really just show like find his game and learn from him I think they would have benefited a lot uh, but Phoenix what a what an awesome get for them and you know they've been a team that has kind of been in the middle for so long um, you know, they got the number one pick in Maine and uh, they just been hovering around there. You know, they got, you know, uh, Devin Booker with a number 13 pick a few seasons back and they hit big on that. So now they're just trying to put it all together. You know, Chris Paul is probably going to be playing for a few more years. He's probably not going to play at this level for that much longer. But having him in there being the, the leader of not only that team, but he's the leader of the, the, the uh, Players Association. So that just means that just shows you how big of an impact he has, not only on the court, but off the court as well. And this is going to change the whole um, culture and mindset of that entire franchise. And I think you're going to see probably not them win so much um, and have success in the playoffs um, in the next year or two, but having Devin Booker enter his prime in two, three years, um, Ain coming to his prime in a few years, and then surrounding those guys with with really good players, I think you'll see the benefit of him being on this team in, in, in that in that time frame. Yeah, I think what this is ultimately going to do is it's going to unlock Devin Booker's career. It's going to separate him from a lot of volume shooters in the league like Trey Young, who he was being compared with for a while because his usage rate his usage rate was through the roof. He was making all the decisions, bringing the ball up all the time, yeah. taking all the shots, and now he's going to get quality looks from a brilliant point guard, a great coach, and I think that this is just going to set him apart from the rest of that sort of caliber of scorer. And I think he's going to just break out and have a really good career going forward. Yeah, no, I agree totally with you on, on everything there. But uh, let's take it to the East. Um, should I go first or do you want to Yeah, no, you, you go first. Yeah, go ahead. Well, if you look at the Eastern Conference standings right now, you'd see Orlando is 5-2. and two. And regardless of their standings... They've played the Wizard twice, they've played the Thunder twice, they've played the Hornets twice, and they had a um, an impressing win against the Heat, but their schedule has just been fluff, and I think that we're seeing this with the NBA schedule. One of the things that the NBA decided to do this time around was do more back-to-backs to limit travel because of COVID-19, and what you're seeing is some, what do you call it, fake some fake impressive standings. And Orlando, Cleveland, these are a couple of teams that if you really look at teams that they've played due to the back-to-back, um, they're not very good. So I was actually just thinking it'd be really funny to... Right now, Orlando's doing a back-to-back with Cleveland. <laughs> and it'd be really funny to tune into that and listen to the announcers pretend like these are two fringe contenders in the East. Because uh, when a couple months go by... They're definitely going to sink to the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, we've seen this before with Orlando. I know. I think it was last year or two years ago when they had a really strong start, and they just kind of falter off um, a little bit as the as the season continues. So it's still such a small sample size, 
But, you know, good for them. I know, like, Vucevic is playing well. Fultz is playing close, closer to his potential or closer to where people thought he could play, uh, being the former number one pick. But, you know, good for them if they're able to keep it up and, you know, we have to eat some crow and go back on our words, then we'll do that. But until, you know, until give us like a 20-game sample size, then I'll I'll start giving props where, where it's due, right? Yeah, but, you know, my, my impressive team is the five in three Indiana Pacers. And the reason being is, again, just the teams that they beat. Um, they beat the Celtics. Uh, they beat the Pelicans. And I just feel like, I feel like Nate Bjorken got a turnkey operation or like a turnkey opportunity with the Pacers because the pieces are there. DeMontis Sabonis, he wasn't at the bubble. Um, he's been injured, but he's an all-star and he's been playing fantastic. He played fantastic last season. Victor Oladipo looks like he's like 95% of himself, which is a decent amount of himself. And any team would love to have Victor Oladipo at like 95%. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon. So I think that he's got a really good core to work with. And working beside Nick Nurse for three years, you know the caliber of coach he's capable of being. I think he's going to take a lot of that um, blue-collar defensive approach that the Raptors have always had to Indiana and uh, sprinkle in some of that offensive uh, mastery that that we witnessed as well. So I think uh, the Indiana Pacers for me are the most impressive in the East, and I think that they just have a high upside. Um, They can maintain that third spot by playing the way that they're playing. And... um, who knows? Yeah, that's a team with a lot of continuity, a, lot, a team that's played together for a few years now. Like those core guys, like you said, who picked up Oladipo, he's on a contract year. You know, he got hurt uh, year back, like a year ago and he's trying to get back to where he was as an all-star caliber guard in the league. But he's in a contract year. Um, as you know, a bunch of the major uh, free agents-to-be have signed with with their team, so he's gonna be a coveted player. He's probably gonna be a top three free agent, so he's gonna play his ass off for sure. Uh, Sabonis, um, he was an all-star last year. He's probably gonna be an all-star this year. He, his, you know, he's just he really gets stats like 20, 10, and five. I'm not sure what the numbers are, but he's a big, big contributor. I know he had a huge game against the Celtics, and like like you said, Brogdon. Brogdon is their glue guy. That guy that again he can give you 20 and 10 but also play great defense. You know, we always compare him with Freddie, and he's really that guy that just keeps everything together, a guy that's going to be able to make huge shots. I'm not sure if you watched the game yesterday when they played the Pelicans. They were down six with, like, 20 seconds left. I believe it was Oladipo shot or scored a three. Uh, and they got they got a steal. And then Miles Turner, again, like another still a young guy that um, it's just, you know, he's, he's trying to get minutes with, Sabonis, so their style of play isn't you know the greatest, but he made a huge three yesterday, and they stole a game from the Pelicans yesterday. So you know they're they're definitely a team to watch out for. And like you said, having a new head coach, you know I think Nate McMillan was there for a few years, and now they have a fresh set of eyes, kind of someone coming, um, having championship pedigree, uh, being one of the lead assistants for like you said Nick Nurse, and. They're, they were they were my team as Come well. Come on. They were my team as well. Uh, but Well, this I, is boring. Yeah, I know. Sorry. So I'll switch it up. I had another one just in case. So my team, uh, that surpri- that my surprise team so far are the Knicks. And I know I b- briefly mentioned RJ and I briefly, or you mentioned uh, Julius Randle. But again, a team that is super young, um, you know, that franchise has been the mockery of of the league in the last like 20 years, but now they have someone like Tom Thibodeau who is gonna be that defensive-minded coach to really put them in their place. Um, they just need to have more shooters around RJ. I know you're gonna try to um, have your offense around him as he's your number, like, you know, he's your key young player and he has a lot of upside. You know, shooting I think will eventually come. I know he's such a hard work, hardworking young player. He's gonna be a huge player for Team Canada. And, you know, I think just without having all that pressure of being at MSG, teams coming in to look to really have career games or, like, guys love to come to MSG and, you know, play their best games. So having no fans there, kind of having that pressure kind of taken away from them um, to really go out there. They're a really young team. Like I said, like I mentioned earlier, Obi Toppin hasn't had too much playing time because Julius Randle is 
you know, playing like an all-star. If he continues to play at this rate and if they're a team that's within striking distance of a playoff um, position, then he could actually be a be a first-time all-star. So that'd be really cool to see. I know they were, you know, made fun of last year for signing all these power forwards, Bobby Portis, you know, Julius Randle, all these guys. But, you know, they've, they've been able to strike on one of them. So good for them. And... Yeah, they're still a young team. Like, again, Alfred Payne's still a really young player. I know he's been, like, uh, moved around a few times, uh, played with Pelicans, played with Orlando. So I think he's kind of found his home here. And, yeah, we'll see. They still have, like, uh, what's that French kid, Nilakina? So they still have him as a young player. Um, Knox, I know he hasn't lived up to the hype. I think he was a number one, like, a top ten pick two years back. But he struggled a little bit to find his... Um, groove within the league, but they're still really young, four and three. Um, so I like I like them as my surprise pick. After you know you stole my Pacers pick there. I think the Knicks ceiling this year would be playing tournament, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I also I, I agree that's actually a great uh, great team to choose because I feel like this is the first time in like decades that we've seen that organization humble themselves. Uh, it seems like they've sort of committed to now. Um, valuing quality players and not just constantly trying to hit home runs with superstars, yeah. uh, even if those superstars are one foot in, one foot out, on their way out. So it looks like they've actually developed a core, which they haven't had in a really long time, as long as I can remember. Maybe in the Carmelo days when they were like first in the East and underachieved in the in the playoffs. But it seems as though they're 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 committing to a core. They're committing to a blue-collar coach in Thibodeau who has sort of... He doesn't resemble the New York persona in any way. He's more of a, a tough-nosed coach, mm-hmm, and it yeah. looks like they're they're going to sort of just grind, grind the pavement. And yeah. if they do commit to that, I think that in the next three to five years, they can have some decent success. Yeah, exactly. They're the biggest market in the world for basketball. They're the mecca, you know, MSG, everything about it. It's appealing to, you know... They're, they're, sorry, there's appeal to... To join them if they have a good team, right? Exactly. All these superstars, they won't really care if you're if you if you are the mecca. But if you have a good team and you're this, you know, you're the center of all the basketball and you have all these marketing opportunities, guys will come. You just yeah. have to win. You just have to show them that you have a foundation of players, a good front office, a good head coach, which you know I think they've been able to do in the last year or so. So definitely think that they have a good starting base now. It's they've always been chasing all these guys and kind of. Like you said, they've just been chasing all these free agents. None of them want to go there. So I think they've realized that the league has changed. And, and like New York is not where all these guys want to play. They just want to win. They want to be able to have their opportunity to you know, play in the All-Star Games and make it to the playoffs, which they haven't been able to do in the last six, seven years. Um, so, yeah, things are changing a little bit. And, and I, I like what they're doing. I just hope they don't make a, you know, impulsive, reactive move where it changes the whole trajectory of their team because I think they have a good solid base. You know, if they're able to hit on one or two more draft picks, surround RJ with, again, additional shooting and have solid guys in there who are going to just learn the game, the fundam- uh, fundamentals of the game and just, you know, have a winning culture there, they're going to be able to be a good team in four or five years. Yeah, I mean, RJ Barrett had a pretty decent stat line the other night and I really don't want to talk about the Knicks for much longer. Um, <laughs> of course. But in, over the last two to three years, I think a lot of the noise surrounding the Knicks has actually been around their owner. And so far, we haven't heard much about James Dolan or heard much from him. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's a commitment that he's made to the current front office that he'll sort of take a step back. People will forget he's even there and maybe they can attract some talent. Fingers crossed for them, man. Well, hey, let's move on to the Eastern or the most disappointing teams so far. It's still early. Um, for me in the Western Conference, it's the Denver Nuggets. And I think that, you know, we've given them the benefit of the doubt that they were going to figure out that Jokic, Murray, um, uh, chemistry and connection. And we thought that maybe after the bubble play and all the positivity that we saw in Orlando, um, last season that okay things have finally clicked but I think the underlying issue with that team is who they lost over the offseason and yeah. Jeremy Grant uh, Vonley and Mason Pumley like those are three really hard team or hard players to um, replace and it gave them a lot of depth in their front court that was sort of a luxury for them 
um, throughout that throughout the stretch of last season. So I think it's hard to replace. I think that you know giving um, what's his name third option um, superstar uh, Mike, in the Michael making, Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. I think giving him a bigger role has proven to not be the answer so far. And I just, I don't know if they're going to be able to achieve what they achieved last year just based on what they lost over the offseason. It's early, but um, yeah, so far it's been the Denver Nuggets for me. Yeah, it's a little discouraging because Jokic is playing out of his mind. He's leading the league in assists. I think it's like 11-something, 11-something per game. And he has, he's always been that consistent over the last couple Mm -hmm. of years, but it's always been... You know, can we get more out of the other guys? Yeah. Can Jamal Murray come out of his shell? Go from go from not he's not mediocre at all. He's very. Can he go from good to great? Yeah. And you know, if he's able to, then yeah, they're going to be able to take that leap. But saw signs of it last season. Um, maybe there's more to see from Jamal Murray. Maybe he's got another gear. But you know, I think that given what Jamal Murray is showing that he is currently, they could have really used Jeremy Grant. Yeah, exactly. I think the. Losing him to Detroit is huge because who's guarding your best? Who's guarding the Kawhi Leonard's? Who's guarding the LeBron James uh, of the leagues when you're in a playoff um, matchup with them, right? Uh, early on now, they're, yeah, they're losing these games because they don't have that guy. Michael Porter Jr. is terrible at defense. He's so young still, so we got to give him some leeway there. But Jeremy Grant was that greedy guy that's going to do all the dirty work, die for the ball, go for the block, and... Um, they needed that. They have so much offensive firepower. Again, Jokic being the best passing big of all time. I, I would I would say that like confidently. Absolutely, Jam- and, and a potential MVP this season. Yeah, and Jamal like he had such a breakout playoff um, stretch there, right? So we were hoping that translates into the regular season, um, but you know he's still inconsistent that way. Um, so yeah, they, they just have a lot of firepower. I think they're like 29th um, ranked. Uh, defensively uh, right now. So I think they'll be a little better, um, obviously, just with the way, you know, Mike Malone's coaching and they got the personal personnel to still be a really good team. It's just, I feel like they, they did overachieve last year and uh, the West is always so strong. So if you have a small lapse in play for a week or two, you're going to fall out of the playoff race. And, you know, lucky for them, they're, they're still going to be up, you know, uh, uh, play-in games. So I don't think they're going to, you know, obviously miss out on the playoffs. But now with Phoenix in there, with New Orleans in there, um, and all the, like, even the Spurs, again, they're not not great, but you still have to play the Spurs. And, you know, that's a tough matchup regardless of, you know, who's on that roster. So, you know, you got the Lakers, you got the Clippers, Portland, Houston still. So just so many teams in there that the West is, you know, you can't have any of these mental lapses within uh, within the season because if you lose four or five in a row, um, especially in the short, short season, it's going to be tough to make up ground, um, especially with, you know, you could potentially lose players to COVID um, with all of this, you know, just kind of no fans. So it's a little different, uh, but I think they'll be fine. But yeah, they are definitely, they, they were my pick as well, which man, like, fuck man. <laughs> yeah, it's, this is not exciting, but they were my pick as well because it, it's pretty clear that, you know, they, we had a lot of um, high hopes for them, especially coming to this year. Um, Jokic just playing his part. It's just these other guys that need to kind of find their role. And I think um, they'll, they'll, they'll get there. It's just, yeah, they're definitely my disappointing team as well. Yeah, see, the question, I, I'm just not sure if they will get there, though, because, you know, Jamal Murray's not even having a bad season. He's averaging 24 points a game. Um, Jokic, like you said, is doing his thing. And this could really be an MVP year for him if they can if they if they can get to a decent spot in the standings. But in the Western Conference, being out being how tight it is, it's all about defense. And I just think, you know, losing Jeremy Grant was huge. And I think it was irrepla- irreplaceable. And you could have used him night in, night out against the best in the West. Yeah, so like even pl- yeah, losing Plumley too, who you can, you know, uh give some minutes uh, while Jokic is um, on the bench. And he's a really good defensive player, a good rebounder. And losing two, both those guys to Detroit, massive overpay. But, um, yeah, Detroit's record doesn't really show what they do because even Jeremy Grant right now, he's playing really good defense and his offensive game is growing. He's not shooting uh, 
particularly very well, like efficiently. But he's a really, really good player, man. And um, Detroit has he's a really good, well solid Detroit. two-way player uh, to gr- like to uh, to grow with. Um, and then yeah, losing Plumlee was huge. So I think they'll be fine. But I know what, I know what you're talking about with defensively because again, if you can't stop these these two three superstars on each of these um, Western Conference teams, you're you're kind of fucked. Yeah, man. It's going to be interesting. And, you know, shout out to Jeremy Grant. I thought it was crazy that he decided to go to Detroit. I thought, you know, he was just sacrificed. Well, you know, he got paid and he's doing his thing, but he might not see the playoffs in a very long time. No, man. (laughs) But hey, to each his own, right? Yeah, exactly. No, well, he's going to get the numbers and he's going to play with, you know, a a good coach in Dwayne Casey. It's just the roster is just so... Weird. There's just Dwayne no, there's Casey no might not be there for a, bit, <laughs> in a very long time. This is a weird fit, but again, Dwayne Casey is a really good development coach, right? Like he he took Lowry to who he was and to who he is today. Same with created DeMar. the bench mob. Yeah, exactly. So he's he's been even JV. I think it, at times, um, you know, you question his decision and his X and O's, but he's a really good development coach. So if he's able to even just get Jeremy Grant into like a Siakam type growth and projection then that's a win for them but yeah they're not going to be winning a lot of games this year and probably for a few years absolutely let's take it to the east um i think everyone who's listening knows who (laughs) who i and i'm sure tuan has chosen for our most disappointing team in the eastern conference and it's the one in five start to the season toronto raptors and i'm not pressing the panic button but my hand is hovering over the button because when you're leading by double digits every single game, but coughing up leads and ultimately losing, uh, there's a chance that you just need to tinker a bit under the hood yeah. and fix, you know, make an adjustment here and there. Because you're, you're showing that you're capable of scrounging up the offense, but they're losing the same way every, every time. They're, they got a lead, they're coughing up the lead because their offense is going stagnant, and ultimately um, they're one in five. Yeah, I'm in the same boat with, as you. Um... There's a few things we got to consider here. One, um, the Raptors probably have played the most game out of any team in the last three years, I would say, with the championship run, with playing in the bubble, and now they're playing in Tampa. You know, So these guys must be exhausted, just physically and mentally, um, being away from their like family. I'm not sure what the situation is there down in, in Tampa now. But they're the only team that's not playing within their home city, right? So, again, they were in the bubble. They were in Orlando for uh, X amount of months there. Now they're back in Tampa. And it's just not the same. Even if they weren't playing in front of fans, at least you get to go to Scotiabank and you play in your, your own gym. You go to OVO Practice Center and you play there and you go home and you you know sleep in your own bed. You're with your family. You're with your kids. You know, So you, we got to consider the mental uh, aspect of things here. Especially even physically with like with the how many games they've actually played, so that's number one. I think again losing Abaka, losing Gasol, watching what they're doing with the Clippers and Lakers respectively, um, it's huge. And then re- trying to replace them with Aaron Baines, with Alex Len, um, you know Baines has not played well at all. You're right. So Alex Len, you know I'm not expecting too much of him. He's played well here and there but those guys just you know such a massive huge talent gap that it's tough offensively and defensively to trying to trying to fill that gap where what's missing there right yeah no for sure and the bright spot is in terms of defensive rating per 100 possessions we're still top five in the league which is a good stat to hold on to and that should give you some optimism um we're also 27th on offense though which is an abomination and I know, you know, you could say no shit when I say that we need a playmaker or two. And it doesn't have to be in the form of a superstar. It just needs to be someone that can generate offense either by scoring or passing when the offense gets stagnant. Yeah. The Raptors have been getting really good looks. We're shooting a league high in three-pointers per game, three-point attempts. Um, so the shots are there. And they haven't been contested. We're watching them miss wide-open shots mm-hmm. left, right, and center. Um We've been devoid of a playmaker since Kawhi left. Um, someone that can just take the reins when the offense goes stagnant. But believe it or not, like my theory with this is that Mark and Serge were actually our playmakers. 
And here's why I say this. Um, anytime you watch Nick Nurse run early offense, watch the Raptors run an early offense or an early set, the last thing that's always available is that trailing three for the big. And you're seeing Aaron Baines literally reincarnate Jonas Valanciunas in the offense. He's taking all those threes at the top and missing them. They're really good shots, but he has no choice but to shoot them. So ultimately, you get a long rebound and a transition for the other team, right? Mm-hmm. If you watch a lot of ra- if you were watching the games last year, Marcus Saul rarely took those shots. He did take them, but he was actually a pretty good three point shooter. But oftentimes, he actually put the ball on the floor and he would create. Um, with Serge, you know, he would actually do a little handoff with Lowry and they'd run that pick and pop. Yeah. So Serge was able to improvise, or sorry, Mark, Mark and Serge were able to really improvise when our offense went stagnant. Our bigs can't do that. So we're getting pretty bad last-minute shots. Yeah. Um, how many times did you see our offense goes flat and then Lowry and Serge run that pick and pop? Maybe two or three times. And Serge was so efficient around the rim that, you know, you'd get six straight buckets, you got some momentum, and then, you know, you start getting your offense back. Um, we're not seeing that with our bigs now. They just, they're just not capable. So I think that we actually had playmakers in disguise of our bigs last year that we don't currently have this year. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I think those guys were like, I would consider Serge like the glue guy, the guy where, again, if you are a little staying on offense, you, yeah, you run that pick and pop and that, that free throw line extended shot, that's money. Or if you want to pick and roll, his floater is money too. Or he'll catch it and make the right pass into the corner where I'm not seeing that with Aaron Baines. I'm not seeing with that, that with Alex Len. Like Boucher is playing well. Uh, but I don't think you can throw him into starting lineup because he's too so so skinny, so small, and he's not quick enough to get out on the perimeter. So that's kind of not in the question right now. So it's just like you just hope that Aaron Baines is able to get his shooting form back when he was with Phoenix. You know, he's playing really well when uh, Aiden was suspended for those 20, 20 games earlier last year. Uh, so you just have to hope that he makes those shots because they're open. And he's a good shooter. You just It's a little bit of confidence, a little bit of momentum. And um, yeah, man, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough to watch because, again, like you said, they're losing all these games that they're up by 10-plus in each game. So you know that they have those offensive spurts. It's that they just get too cold and they're not able to make stops. And I saw a stat um, on TV yesterday. So I think they're one in four. Uh, in games where they're up by 10. Last year, they were 48-4. and four. Yeah, they led the league. Yeah, it's crazy. So th- they just had uh, a different way of playing and having the bigs, like Marcus Gasol is not your usual big. He's a guy that's going to be able to play make. He's going to, you know, play great defense, a former defensive player of the year, obviously. And then Serge, he just brings that energy. They're, I'm not getting a sense that Alex Len... Or Baines is playing with, you know, that grittiness and that energy that you need. Like, they're just kind of out there. I don't really see their presence. You know, when Baines is missing, like, two, three easy bunnies around the rim or those floaters, he's not he's not playing any better on their defensive side either. Yeah. Right? He's getting... We're going to let the guys attack the rim, and he's not really there to protect, protect the paint. Um, you know, really the only bright side is Boucher, where he can give you some offensive... Um, you know, shooting, um, playing well, rebounding. But again, he's more of like a shot blocker. I don't consider him a great defender. He's a great shot blocker, but he doesn't mean he's a good positional defender, good help defender, and that's what's missing. And I don't know what the solution is. Do you go small now? Do you put Siakam at the five and OG at the four and unleash Storm a little bit? Because he plays very poorly uh, he put, Sorry, he, I shouldn't say he plays poorly off the bench, but he's a much better starter than he is a bench player. And we always see that when he gets minutes. Like, against, was it New York when he got uh, those minutes because um, Siakam got suspended for that one game? And he 20-plus points, whatever. So I'm not sure if that's what you do, um, just to kind of change things up and then kind of rotate uh, those three bags uh, in and out. Um, or do you make... A drastic change and you know do something else but really there's not that many <laughs> options for them right now you know yeah there are many superstars available if you think about it other than James Harden like what team right now with a viable superstar is willing to part ways with them everyone wants to see how far they can go because it's too early in the season 
we know we need one. And notice how we haven't shat on Pascal Siakam once in this conversation. It's because it really isn't his fault. No. He's not made to be a first option, and that's okay. He'll still average close to 25 to 30 points beside a superstar, handedly. But in terms of generating his own offense, he's not that guy. And he doesn't have to be. No. He's not really getting paid like one. Like, he is getting a lot of money. But, you know, it's very reasonable to be in the situation that he's in because no one forced him to be the first option. Yeah. So, I think we were talking um, in our group chat yesterday. And he'd be a perfect, perfect second option. Right? Like what we saw with Kawhi, with the championship run. Him being able to throw, score 30 points on Draymond Green in the first game of the finals. You know, we, we saw that. We saw him win def, uh, most improved that year. You know, he was a second team All-NBA last year. Um, you know, All-Star last year. You know, one game away from the Eastern Conference Finals. So it's not like he was a bum. It's just he's not playing and he's not growing at that level. But he's grown so much in the last two years. So everyone who's kind of jumping off the bandwagon now is... You know, they're not seeing the bigger picture. Because if we're able to get that guy that can score, that one um, playmaker scorer that that we can depend on in the late minutes, then Siakam's going to thrive. You know, I was saying, like, if we put him in Jalen Brown's shoes, he would kill it. Because Tatum would get all the attention. Tatum would get the last last second shots within the, within the shot clock. And Siakam could just play his energy game where he's crashing the boards, he's running the floor... He's, you know, diving to the basket. That's what he got paid $170 yeah, million for. exactly. So you, I, I'm not going to blame him. And it's just, he, he's not put in the role that he should be. You know, they're, they're being asked to do too much. Lowry's being asked to do too much. We can't have him, we can't have Fred Van Vliet scoring 35 points, you know, like he did yesterday. And we're still lose by 20. Like, it just doesn't make sense. We just need Fred Van Vliet to bring up the ball, score us 17 to 20 points a game. Lowry get us the double, like a double double or a double double once in a while, but just play the way he plays. Um, so I'm a little lost right now in terms of what what's going on. I think they'll be fine. They haven't played um, any shit teams yet, except like the Knicks. You know, they lost to the Pelicans twice. They've lost to the Spurs. Uh, they've lost to Philly. Lost to the Celtics. So those are all really strong teams. And still. as we mentioned, they've led in these games by double yeah, digits. Exactly. So there is uh, concern, and there you know is you know real concern for uh, to panic. But I think once they you know play the Knicks, they, they play Charlotte, they play these teams where you know they've historically been those guys in the last six years. You know, probably one of the best teams of beating up these below five hundred teams uh, for the. Last few years, I think they'll be they'll be fine. I think they'll be like a six seven seed, but yeah, they definitely won't uh, be making too much of a noise. I think in the playoffs um, with the the team that is currently constructed, if they could somehow get James Harden, somehow convince Houston that you know Siakam, Malachi Flynn, and a few first round picks is is worth it, um, then I think you make that move because we kind of see what they are right now, and I don't think they can be that much better than what we project them to be. Right. Like, if you want to lose sleep, I'll tell you how to lose some sleep. You know, for everyone that wants James Harden, okay, we make that move, we bring in that superstar. We haven't signed Masai Ujiri. So what, we're just going to mortgage our future with a guy that's been cancerous in, in the locker room and uh, and have our have, have Masai Ujiri not signed with us and just say peace out and that we're stuck with him and no draft picks for our future, that probably concerns me more than our current situation. Yeah. Well, we've always, even before the season started, we, we said this is going to be a gap year. This is going to be a gap year because we were invested in throwing everything at Giannis, throwing everything at all the other big free agents that were in the 2021 pool. But now that those guys have signed off, like Paul George, Kawhi's still, still there, but... After quiet, it's Victor Oladipo. And so I think it's just a change of course. You know, we just, you know, Masai and Bobby Webster are going to do whatever is best for the Raptors. So, you know, I'll leave it up to them. Uh, but, you know, it hurts. It hurts to watch this team struggle off out of the gate. But, again, they're still encouraging signs. Like you said, big leads, just not able to close out these games. And we're only six games in, so... 
give them some time. Uh, I'll, I'll be a little more worried if they're twenty if we're twenty games in and they haven't won like five six games. Yeah, I think the focus now for front office has to be Masai Ujiri now, and just give give the give the fans, give the team, give the players the the reassurance that at least our uh, our captain still you know steering the ship. Yeah. Um, so what do you think of this? Given their situation, given Kyle Lowry's situation, his age, his stage, um, what he's done for this franchise for so long, do you do you move him to to a team where he could add more value, maybe chase a ring, because he's valuable right now. Very. A lot of teams could really use a guy like him. I would hate to see him in a Clippers uniform, but we could get a lot from him right now. I feel like he's been the one consistently hard work. He's playing how he plays. He's playing very consistent right now, playing very well. And I think that he's just upping his trade value. Yeah, he's he's still the same Lowry. He hasn't lost a step. He he's, looks fantastic. Siakam's poor play has overshadowed how well he's playing right now. But he is that guy that a team would want to kind of get take that next step. I'm not sure who what that team would be, but he would get a lot in the trade market right now if he was he was available. And I think you just have to. Um, Imagine Kyle Lowry on the Pelicans. Okay. Imagine Kyle Lowry on the Clippers. Yeah. Imagine Kyle Lowry on the Lakers. Yeah. Well, I don't know who those guys would trade for, but um, we would definitely need a big, big return because then you're basically waving the white flag, and you're saying, okay, well, do we trade Siakam after that? Um, because if you if you trade Lowry, then you're basically saying we're, we're not rebuilding. We're rebuilding, and but maybe it, that's the way to go. Yeah, well, with, well, with Giannis out of the plans now, it might be, and it sucks. And I feel he, as though it'd be a win-win because Lowry deserves to contend in his last few years. We've seen him play his ass off, so we can vouch for that. Yeah. And with Giannis out, it might be an opportunity for the Raptors to start from the ground up. Yeah, we, we've been boosting so much about Chris Paul, but Lowry is just the a clone of Chris Paul. Obviously, not the same level. In terms of career-wise, but this guy's won, uh, you know, he's he's won a championship and he's been a six-time All-Star, so he's no bum, obviously not, but he's he can definitely take another team to that next level. Like Denver, like who, who, like if they had, if Denver got him, like man, like they'd be sick, they'd be so good. Like look at all he, all the things that he does that doesn't come up on you know, score sheet, man. Like this guy's leading the league in charges for how many years now? Um, just you know, playing great defense. Going inside into like the, the the big fucking seven footer trees of everything and getting boards when you need a board, getting a steal when you need a steal, and he is the definition of a winner um, within the league. And um, it'd definitely be sad if he wasn't a part of the team for for a while because then it would take a lot to find another guy like that, another consistent winner, a guy that you can just depend on um, in the regular season and in the playoffs. Something to think about, but yeah, it would definitely be devastating. Um, Let's move on to greener pastures. And maybe we just touch on some of the bright spots in the league right now. I think for me personally, man, it's, you know, I cut the cable. Um, I've just been, I bought the league pass. I got the Sportsnet app, TSN app. And so you got games on demand and I can't help but just admire how well KD's playing. And he's, he hasn't lost a step. He is so good, and it's so great to see like a guy like that back in the league. Steph, I have been waiting for a breakout game like he's had over the last two games. 30 points, 62 points. He's got 92 points in two games. And to see guys who have been, they're, they're staples in the league. Yeah. You know, like they're so good for the brand. They're so good for the league. And to see them back playing at the caliber they're playing is fantastic. Yeah, no, it's, it's awesome all around for, for the league, for the fans. Um, watching KD out there with Kyrie, uh, kind of forget how good they are. Um, and he definitely hasn't lost a step. I just hope he's able to stay healthy. Same with Kyrie. Um, and they're going to be a huge threat in, in the East. Uh, you know, Nash is doing a good job. Um, and again, they have a great, great coaching staff. They have Dan Tony in there too, so kind of forget he's kind of in the background now. But they have a great like foundation of coaches, and um, they have a pretty deep team. Like DeAndre Jordan... He still like still can roll to the basket, still uh, be like a great defensive player. They have Jared Allen. I know they lost Dinwiddie. Why is a bit. 
DeAndre Jordan starting over Jared Allen right now? Um, I do not know. Uh, probably because Katie and Kyrie are friends with him, probably, and he probably just has a little more experience. But Jared Allen is better than him. Jared Allen's a sick player. I'll, like he's he's a great player. He's probably. I would say in the Raptors and Nets playoff series last year, probably the best player outside of maybe Levert, who, again, he's more of a six-man who's going to you know, try to take a lot of shots. Um, I'm curious to see how or what they do. Are they going to bring Levert into the starting lineup and have him try to you know, uh, share the ball with Katie and Kyrie, or is he staying off the bench? I, 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 I didn't watch last, the last game since Dinwiddie got hurt, so... Um, I'm not sure what they're planning to do with that, but that's going to be a question that they're probably going to have to answer this uh, this season. So, yeah, I, I really like watching him. Steph, again, 62 points. There's a lot of slander on his name last few weeks with how kind of poorly Golden State started off with. Uh, it's, it's weird because he's playing with Wiggins. He's playing with Oubre, who are just one-dimensional offensive players. They're not going to you know, facilitate, they're not going to bring up the ball, they're not going to, you know, get other guys involved. So it's a lot of pressure and a lot of weight on Steph's shoulder, and it was so nice to watch him kind of have one of those classic uh, scoring outbursts, just shooting from everywhere. And, yeah, it's just nice to even see Draymond on the floor. You know, we're going to talk shit about Draymond, but he's still a great, you know, facilitator. He's not going to give you a lot of points, but a rebound, play defense, and he'll be that glue guy for that team and kind of the mentor for guys like Wiseman. And yeah. I really like his game. I like Wiseman. He's he's a freak. He's He is like next level type of athlete who, man, I've seen him twice now where he's making a great defensive player and running the floor and spinning and getting an alley-oop dunk. So he has crazy potential. Um, again, I think they're, they're probably a bubble team uh, just because of their personnel, uh, obviously the clay injury changes everything, but I think they're still, you know, still a team that's exciting to watch. I'm just not sure how far Curry is able to carry some of these guys. I love watching a guy like Steph who you know just by watching him, he's the ultimate teammate. And there's probably no one like him in the league in terms of just being genuinely happy for the other players on their team when they succeed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's great to see that. James Wiseman, when you give him the eye te- test, he looks like a multiple-year All-NBA player and a multiple All-Star for a very long time. And they've got they got a real solid uh, rookie with that second pick. And I think that uh, he could very well be Rookie of the Year this year. Um, it just – it's shame on guys like Oubre and Wiggins who – I feel like when you got Steph Curry on your team, he's the ultimate double team. Oh, yeah. You know, he is drawing two, if not three, defenders at all time. But, which is a luxury for a guy like Wiggins or Oubre because you get clean looks. Like, you can do whatever, you can eat when you have a guy like Steph Curry on your team. Um, but I'm, I think I'm, I'm selling all my Wiggins stock. Because if he can't be successful on yeah. the Warriors... When he's getting the ball after Steph is getting double teamed, if not triple teamed, and not create his own offense, uh, then I don't know what what more that guy can do. Yeah, we've seen this with him throughout his career. But so not like this. I'm not, I know, playing, not like, playing like I like yeah, Steph. Yeah, yeah, no, you're you're right. So we've we've seen him kind of been forced into that number one option, and he'll give you 20 points, but in, on very poor efficiency, and just not give you anything else, right? Not even defensively. He's not going. He's such a freak athlete he has those measurables but he's not he just hasn't been able to put it together and you're hoping that now he that he plays with Steve Kerr in kind of that free-flowing system that he is able to do a little more but he has he's had a game where he's had like great shooting scoring 25 a game but he's still giving you only one assist and one rebound it's so frustrating to watch um Kelly Oubre he's obviously a lot better than what he's shown he's shooting like historically poor uh, from the three so He'll regress back to the norm. Um, it's just, yeah, Wiggins, I, I, I've, I've always been a fan. I've always wanted to watch him, you know, have success in the league. Obviously a Canadian kid, a number one pick, a lot of hype around him throughout high school, uh, throughout Kentucky, or not Kentucky, Kansas, sorry. And he still has, you know, 
a lot a lot of game left in the season. Um, if he's able to just you know just find his little role there where he can score, but I don't think he's ever going to be that complete player who's going to give you five assists, five rebounds, give you a lot of effort. Um, it's unfortunate, but you know. Well, when you get to play with Steph Curry, you essentially get to shoot on an open hoop. But what's happening now is teams are not scrambling. Like he's not forcing teams to scramble after their double teams. And it, it's it's a luxury for defenders, and that's why I think the game is a lot harder for Steph Curry right now. So he's got to work two, three times more, mm-hmm. three times more, because um, because there's no one else on the team that can carry that offensive load. Yeah, yeah, and their their bench is pretty thin. They have Steph Looney, they have Pascal or Eric Paschal, um, they have Damian Lee. Again, if if Damon Lee didn't make that one shot, I I think it was against Chicago. Um, if he didn't make that one shot, they they'd be like what two and five or something like that. So they're they're just on that brink right now. If they lose a few more games, they just might be out of the playoff race completely because of how strong the West is. Yeah, he's currently averaging. Wiggins is currently averaging eighteen. Um, if he can get to like twenty nineteen level where he's averaging twenty three points a game, um, that'd do wonders for that team. They really need one of those guys to step up. Um, until then, you know, Curry's just going to work that much harder, and I would expect nothing more, less than greatness from him. It's, it's Honestly, with Wiggins, it's more important that he does it efficiently. He's just always been a high-volume, poor-efficient guy, and he doesn't provide anything else besides that, which sucks. So if he's able to just, you know, give them a little more on defense, give a little more effort on the, re- like, on the boards... And just look for smart shots and attack the rim. He's actually been attacking the rim quite a bit. I've seen like, a f- like I watched yesterday's game against Sacramento. He had a huge like two-handed dunk. It's I've seen I see I'm seeing a little more like athleticism within his game um, this year than I d- I've seen in the past. But again, I'm not gonna sit here and say I've watched all of his Timberwolves uh, games in the past. So you know um, I'm aware of that, but. Well, he's been in the league for seven years, mm-hmm. and I think we've spent too much time today talking about Andrew Wiggins and the New York Knicks. <laughs> well, that's where we're at right now. You know, it's still early in the season. Still early in the season. Um, hey, it's. I'm sure next week's discussion is hopefully there's some new wrinkles that we can talk about. But it was fun. We're back in the regular season, and we're gonna keep. Uh, we're gonna start doing more weekly pods where we yeah. can talk about more recent and current NBA affairs. And I'm just looking forward to it, man. So, thank you to everyone that's tuning in. Tuan, thank you for joining me this evening. Yeah, we're back, baby. Let's we're get back. it. New year, new season. You know, short season, but it's going to be an exciting season. It's going to be a little different. You know, probably the most um, unusual. Um, probably it's going to be an unexpected year. So, yeah, thanks for listening. You know, we're going to try to do this on more on a weekly basis. Give you guys some content every Saturday. So, keep tuning, eh? I don't know what the fuck that was, but yeah, keep tuning in. (laughs) Keep tuning in. Okay, see you guys. Take care. See you. Peace.